The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning and welcome to America's Web Radio. And we're proud to have all of our vets listening to us today. And uh want to remind our vets and those and our other listeners that if you are a vet or know a vet, and uh, tell them about remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm with retired Lieutenant Colonel Philip Forsberg. Plus, we got other great veteran shows on, A Place for Veterans, and many more. So tell them about America's Web Radio and the fact that they can tune in to shows specifically for and with veterans. With that being said, we do something for our first responders and all of our veterans whenever we do a show, and that is we start the show out with a moment of silent prayer. And uh, we ask that you join in and remember our veterans, remember those that are serving right now protecting us, and those that are to come. So we'll have a silent moment of silence and then we'll keep going. Israel today as well and uh, in our thoughts and in our prayers and uh, whatever we're doing. With that being said, we do one other crazy thing on we want to make sure that our our hearts are pumping and uh, I know when I was on active duty there was one thing that would always get my heart to pumping. Doesn't that make you want to have a M14 in your hands and uh, marching down the street in a parade and uh, looking good and in formation and oh, 
brings back memories, and I hope it brings back memories for you as well. And on the line is our host, Lieutenant Colonel Retired Philip Forsberg. Good morning, Philip. Hello, David. Uh, how are you today? I'm doing great. I had a great weekend and uh, looking forward to uh, this being a happy day and uh, on Monday. And uh, we've got some serious things going on, and I can't think of anybody better to talk about them than my friend Philip Forsberg. And uh, those serious things happen to be where you spent some time in the Middle East with uh, what's going on with Israel. And, uh, and unfortunately, Palestine and, the, and Hamas and... Uh, you know, it's just, uh, that area is a powder keg 24-7, it seems. If they could ever, if there was ever a way to find peace, and I don't believe, I'm not sure that uh, there ever will be, that uh, if we could have peace between Jerusalem, uh, Israel, and... Uh, the rest of uh, the Middle East. But anyway, we're not going to totally dwell on that. We want people to remember Desert Shield and Desert Storm and what it was all about. And, um, you know, the one thing that people are finally beginning, and I'm amazed that it's taken this long, but they're finally beginning to wake up to what's happening at the gas pump. And... uh it's like pinching a fat hog, you know. We're getting a lot of squeaking going on. So, how are you doing? I'm doing fine, David. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to a good week. Uh, I want to be productive this week. <clears throat> so, uh, start by producing this show. The, uh, I do recall, uh, and your listeners, if they were uh, of adult age at the time, uh, which would make them probably 50 or greater at this time, would be uh, <clears throat> that uh, when we went to war with uh, Saddam, uh, he tried to make this uh, an Arab-Israeli thing. Uh, even though Saddam was mostly secular as a Muslim, he would do sometimes go to Muslim prayers or whatever to put on a show for the people who were primarily Muslim. But he did try to draw Israel into the mix uh, during Desert Storm by firing Scud missiles at him. And his hope was that um, the Saudis and the Syrians and other allies that we had at the time would uh, find themselves uh, allied with Israel if they stuck with us. And... Uh, uh, it was a great miscalculation on his part. I'll, I'll say, uh, James Baker, the Secretary of State that we had at the time, uh, did a masterful job of, uh, <clears throat> of basically, uh, asking the Israelis to, uh, hold their fire and, uh, let us be the ones to fight this one out. And, uh, so it showed tremendous restraint on their part. Now, uh, Iran seems to, uh, be threatening Israel with some sort of earthquake, 
if there's uh, if they continue fighting against the people who <clears throat> want to uh, wipe them off the face of the earth. And my answer to that is uh, you, you absolutely cannot uh, uh, allow the enemy that has sworn to uh, put an end to you, uh, and that that's their major policy goal. You, you cannot allow them to uh, dictate uh, your actions because it, it will simply, uh, you know, you, you know for sure that they have your destruction in mind whenever they suggest something. So, and if uh, if Iran could bring an earthquake, uh, something more devastating than than has already happened, they probably would have already. Uh, I'm a little uh, dismayed that uh, under the current presidential administration we have the uh, uh, Iranians have uh, enriched themselves to uh, the tune of about $80 billion was the uh, amount that I heard today, uh, which was not possible. I think it was $7 billion that they had in the bank. Um, back uh, during the Trump administration, but the policies of the Biden administration have allowed them to uh, increase their resources by more than tenfold. And uh, if if anyone suggests for a moment that they didn't have some factor in what's, what was launched uh, a week and a half ago, then they're just absolutely self-deceived. Um or they're lying to you and hope you'll believe them. But, um, you know, we I constantly hear them saying, well, you know, none of those funds can go toward, um, toward any of these military things. And, you know, that, that's great. The amazing thing about cash is it's completely fungible. So they just supplant what they would have used their money for with this money while they send the other money to, uh, purchase weapons and promote state-sponsored state terrorism. You know, I heard today, and I took it very well, and and, uh, and the lady was right on, uh, a Jewish lady, uh, Israeli, that had lost her daughter at the concert. And... You know, we keep saying the Israeli war, war with Hamas and uh, Hezbollah, and like this lady pointed out, this is not a war, and uh, you got to give Hussein the credit for the fact that his people were wearing uniforms, and it look like a war between two or between countries whereas this what they did last Saturday Saturday a week ago was nothing less than barbarism and that it it wasn't two armies coming together it was Hamas being the sneaky people that they are, 
and they weren't wanting to declare war or have a war with Israel or anybody else. They just wanted to kill as many Israelis as they possibly could, and and they did. And so, you know, I, the lady's right. This is this is literally the good guys against the bad guys. There can be no doubt who's who's on the righteous side and and who's on the evil side in, in this conflict. Um, there's no justification. Whatever perceived uh, sufferings the Palestinian people may feel that, that they've experienced, <laughs> really, there it does not justify the the slaughter of innocents, right? The murder of innocents. You know, I hate. I, when I hear people say, you know, these people were executed, because that implies uh, that there was some sort of uh, due process. You know, you, you execute criminals uh, who've had due process. These per- people were simply murdered. And, you know, to call it an execution uh, dignifies it above what it ought to be. Um, you know, they they may have murdered them execution style, but they were not executed. They were murdered, these people. And, um, <clears throat> and we need to call it what it is. It's murder. And, you know, the goal of terror is to influence, uh, political action based on violence or threat of violence. And it's, you know, it's what we call asymmetric warfare. And, um, it, you know, it's the last bastion of scoundrels. So, um, yeah, uh, you know, <clears throat> there's a lot of talk about civilian casualties. Now, thankfully, Desert Storm uh, was fought primarily without the uh, incursion of civilian casualties. It was sort of, <clears throat> if you could have designed a conflict in a laboratory, um, that's kind of what Desert Storm was like. We, we, we didn't go through cities where we did, you know, uh, military operations on urbanized terrain, which, uh, it, you know, the, we do practice. It's, it's called MOUT, military operations on urbanized terrain. And, uh, you know, there are villages that are built on our various military installations to, um, you know, to to teach soldiers the, the dangers, what they can expect, and whatever as they go into uh, urbanized terrain. <clears throat> um, we didn't we didn't really have any of that. The, the Iraqis, you know, deployed out across the Kuwaiti desert, um, and uh, it was almost like fighting on a blackboard. There was no jungle like there was in um, in Vietnam. Uh, you know, you couldn't have a Ho Chi Minh trail with insurgents. But this was this was force on force, and uh, you know. But now going into uh, into Gaza, the um, you know the Israeli army they're, uh, they're poised for their ground offensive, and, and I understand it. Um, but it's going to be fraught with danger if you go in with tanks. Tanks in urbanized terrain are at a great disadvantage to. Uh, you know, dismounted infantry 
with uh, anti-tank weapons just because of the, you know, you can shoot them from above, from a window, or, you know, you can, there's so many places to hide, or, you know, you come around a corner and there is an ambush waiting for you. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, t uh, tanks are great for maneuvering quickly over an open battlefield, but they can't maneuver that quickly, uh, you know, on city streets. And, uh, and now, of course, these, uh, the situation is, uh, exacerbated by, uh, the rubble and, uh, you know, areas that may be impassable now because of the, the airstrikes that have gone in, in preparation for the gap ground conflict. And, you know, and of course, the, uh, the Palestinians, Hamas has been, uh, preparing for this for a great deal of time, and that's why they have dug in uh, tunnels and bunkers. Uh, so this promises to be a very uh, messy operation. <clears throat> As to the uh, the possibility or probability or the eventuality, we could say, of uh, collateral civilian casualties, um, you know, at this point... Uh, we just have to uh, write those people off, sadly. Uh, and I would imagine that the Israelis are writing off some of their um, the hostages that have been taken. And so, <clears throat> um, but if you if you allow the terrorists to use the threat of violence against the innocents that they've taken hostage, then you're just promoting more of the same and uh, it's just going to be very very bad it seems it just uh, and it continues to grow and um, how far do you think this will spread well um, you know Syria and Lebanon are uh, kind of bastions for uh, Hezbollah and uh, if they <clears throat> if they want to get into the fight then it, it could expand into there um, if uh, I doubt that Egypt will in any way show uh, any uh, hostility toward the United States we'll talk about Egypt in a moment <clears throat> I could see Iran trying to produce this earthquake or whatever it is they're suggesting. Um, but uh, that would be to their great detriment. Um, of course, now you have, you know, former uh, Biden administration officials under investigation for their uh, spying on behalf of, uh, of Iran. Um, it's really dangerous when you when you put uh, corrupt and uh, naive and inept people in office. And uh, <clears throat> in my opinion, uh, we need a regime change in this country uh, because nothing that they say can be taken seriously. And I think I've said many times before that the, uh, you know, Joe Biden is simply waiting for his instructions from Beijing. And so, 
you know, if you've ever watched a magician or if you've ever talked to a magician about how they do their uh, illusions, uh, it's always you attract the attention to the hand uh, that is not doing the, the action. So while they're looking at your left hand, your right hand is doing something that will produce um, this illusion. And, uh, you know, we now have this situation uh, in, uh, in Israel, and although we're not engaged, to my knowledge, in any kind of ground operations, um, we, uh, we, we do have resources committed to that. <clears throat> and uh, we have uh, Ukraine uh, going quite a bit. And uh, so that's a distraction, and you can bet that uh, the the communist Chinese do not want to try to take uh, Taiwan under a uh, under a Trump administration or even any of the Republicans. Uh, So uh, I think they are viewing this as their last best hope, Uh, likening Joe Biden to the failed administration of Jimmy Carter, uh, I can recall that <clears throat> uh, Nicaragua went communist, uh, Grenada was uh, becoming communist, and um, Afghanistan was invaded by uh, uh, Soviet airborne divisions, which went in and killed the president, and uh, the same type of naivete and foolishness and weakness on display uh, was on full display during the uh, Carter administration. We have something similar right now with uh, Joe, uh, Beijing Joe. What's next? Well, We'll have to wait and see. I'm not going to make a, um, an outright prediction, but I would say the time would never be better for um, China to try to take Taiwan. Mm-hmm. Because the world is most assuredly distracted um, with what's going on in Israel and Ukraine. And then there are, there are other theaters in the world could be, uh, you know, something in South or Central America will break, or um, you know, Southeast Asia, the Philippines. Uh, we, you know, we just don't know. Uh, it's very, very dangerous time, and you know, uh, I just caution people to think very carefully before they vote. If they feel like they're not informed on the issues, then they most certainly have my permission to abstain from voting because um, this is serious business and um, just because you're allowed to vote doesn't mean it's your duty to vote if you're uninformed and so many voters are it's amazing um, well it's more it's more your duty to be informed than it is to vote I agree with that 100% that's that's a very good way to put it and uh unfortunately we have we have the greatest ability to be informed 
of any generation or any culture in the world, and yet people won't take the time, they won't take the effort. Oh, well, you know, I'll vote for somebody, or Mary Jane's voting for so-and-so, I'll vote like she does, or whatever the excuse is, they come up with excuses. That fella has nice hair. Yeah. And uh, this is, it's, it's terrible, and... You know, it's the epitome of don't confuse me with facts my mind's made up. And we saw this in this last election. Um, I much prefer gasoline under $2 a gallon as compared to over $4 a gallon. But a lot of people would never buy that that's what would happen, and yet that's exactly what's happened. And... um you know, he could be doing something about it so easily, and yet why Biden is not doing anything, I can't, I have no idea. And uh, he better fill up our reserves or we're really going to get sh- caught short. Yeah. You know, you can't underplay the... Uh the importance of petroleum as a strategic asset. Uh, and of course, ours is gone uh, for political purposes. And, um, you know, the uh, fairy dust and uh, unicorn feathers, whatever, that we're going to power all these amazing electric vehicles with, um, is uh, the whole thing is pure alchemy and it doesn't uh, bear any... Uh, relation to reality <clears throat> you know let's get back to uh, Gaza and the Palestinians now the Israelis have um, have dropped leaflets and sent clear warnings to the um, to the Palestinians saying you know do not allow Hamas to use you as a you know shield against military action because you will be considered collateral damage, you know, in the fight that we must pursue against the Palestinians. Um, <clears throat> so there is a crossing from Gaza into Sinai, which belongs to Egypt, and um, the the president of uh, Egypt is not allowing Pal- Palestinians to flow through uh, as refugees and. Uh, unfortunately, I'm hearing rumblings from uh, uh, the U.S. that, well, we, we may make, uh, provide refugee status to Palestinians in the U.S. Now, mm. if their neighboring Muslim nation don't want the Palestinians, I have no idea why we would be throwing the doors open to them. I mean... <clears throat> Already Palestinians and other bad actors are flowing into our uh, nation across our unprotected southern border. But uh, now we're going to give them, you know, first-class airline seats to come to the U.S. Uh, you know, this, <clears throat> this reads like a strategic plan drawn up in uh, uh, our worst enemies, uh, um, briefing room. 
And what are we doing about it? Nothing. Yeah. Um, But, you know, we've seen this before when you you elect foolish and dishonest people uh, and give them the reins of our government. So um, it's very bad. You know, let's talk a little bit about civilian collateral damage. There was plenty of civilian collateral damage caused by the Allies in World War II. Um, talk about in Europe, you know, uh, these towns were devastated. Um, we firebombed Dresden, um, and there was a lot of civilian collateral damage. We, um, you know, someone referred, told me that... Uh, you know, Curtis LeMay, uh, the mastermind of our strategic bombing in, in Japan toward the end of the war, uh, was the greatest mass murderer in history because he killed hundreds of thousands, if not millions of Japanese with, with these firebombing, uh, raids on Tokyo and, and other cities. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, much more in just conventional and firebombing than, than in, Collateral damage, civilian collateral damage, is a uh, is a cost of combat. And so, you know, when you uh, when you go to war, it's it's a very messy thing. Uh, we were blessed not to have that in Desert Storm, but you know, I can recall uh, reading uh, Philip Sheridan. Philip Henry Sheridan was chief of cavalry under U.S. Grant and. Uh, later was general in chief of the army, uh, during, uh, uh, he succeeded, uh, my hero William Tecumseh Sherman as general in chief of the army. And, uh, at the time, there was a great deal of, uh, fighting in the, in the, uh, in the, uh, western plains of the United States against, uh, the indigenous people, these uh, various tribes. And, uh, you know, the, uh, the press, of course, was, uh, trying to make things very difficult for, uh, the army. Uh, I could tr- just try to encapsulate what it was like back then. Uh, the settlers would move out, they'd settle, uh, some land and, uh, <clears throat> build a farm or a ranch and, uh, Hostile Indian tribes would do raids on these settlers and kill the men and carry off the women as captives. And, uh, and so a great outcry would come from the people, the, uh, the settlers in the area to do something to punish the Indians. So the, the government sent the army, uh, to, you know, punish these Indian tribes. And then the newspapers, uh, in the east, would uh, publish these all these accounts of atrocities of the army as if uh, it was the army's idea in the first place to prosecute uh, the warfare against these indigenous tribes the, the army is a servant that does you know what the civilian government direct and uh, but I can recall um, 
Phil Sheridan's response to the the outrage that there were you know women and children killed as collateral damage in these uh, in these uh, actions against these Indian tribes, and he said, you know, when I laid siege, or you know, when I was part of the siege of Vicksburg, we launched shell after shell at the city, and I know that it killed a lot of you know white uh, civilian women and children and, and you know non-combatants in the city of Vicksburg, and there was no outcry against that. And now, on a much smaller scale, there's an outcry against, you know, um, women and children being collateral damage uh, in the punishment of these Indians. Uh, so he, he was very unhappy about it. And, you know, you have to understand that uh, civilian collateral casualties are... Uh, you know, the cost of doing business. And, you know, the, the people of Gaza, the, the peace-loving Palestinians, should there be any, need to know that <clears throat> Hamas is not their friend. Hamas is perfectly willing to use them uh, uh, as uh, a human shield against uh, actions that are taken in response to their terrorism. And that's why we had a revolutionary war. Among other things that, uh, you know, government, not unlike wars, is not fair. And, uh, when you were in, let me ask, Phil, how much Collateral damage was really discussed, or was it? Uh, you go to war to win, and you really you can't wa- go to war to weed out the innocent and only kill the guilty. War is war, and it bleeds over to everybody's life. If it if it's not collateral collateral damage literally, it will be in a few days or a few years. It affects everybody and everything at some point in, in the story. To be certain, um, but you asked about my training and and what we were taught about collateral damage. I do recall uh, my professor of military science uh, in ROTC. Um, he explained to us very carefully that <clears throat> our job as officers in the Army was to, you know, in when we're called into conflict, uh, our job is to manage violence. I thought that was... Uh, kind of an amazing concept. You know, I'd never heard that before. Manage violence. But his point was this. Um, the, the instruments that we have are violent. Uh, certainly artillery, small arms, and, uh, the whole gamut of our various weapons. So um, 
we had to manage the application of this violence. And, uh, you know, uh, <clears throat> you know, when an artillery shell bursts, it, uh, doesn't really discriminate, uh, friend or foe. It, uh, it gets everybody in the area. And so the principle that we were given was we need to apply the least level of violence that uh, will accomplish the mission. The lowest level of violence that will accomplish the mission was the goal. And, uh, you know, those, those were really sound uh, concepts that were imparted to, uh, to us. And, um, you know, but at the same time, you do have to accomplish the mission. And so, um, <clears throat> you know, that's why there, it, it's rare that there are not civilian collateral casualties in, in a conflict. And, uh, you know, in Desert Storm, uh, I'm very thankful that uh, these were, were deeply limited by the nature of the conflict we were engaging. Well, I would say the United States has done the best job of any country in the world as far as limiting collateral damage where they could and where they can. And uh, even to the point of pulling some weaponry out of the arsenal that was deemed to be over the limit. Not much, but some over the years. And, you know, Hollywood gave us war as a romance, and there's nothing romantic, beautiful, wonderful, pretty, about a war or a murder or a terrorist regime. There is nothing nice about it. And the sooner people can wake up to that fact and depending, and it doesn't matter which side you're on, if you're on the winning side, it's still a responsibility to try to vo avoid as much as possible collateral, collateral damage. But, you know, and the other side has to realize, too, that it's an act of war. And uh, you can't be used by the bad guys. And that's exactly what Hamas and uh, Hezbollah do. They use their people. They don't care at all about collateral damage are their people. Just if they can take a military person and throw a civilian in front of them to take the shell, they will. And this is where the U.S. and the Middle East differ greatly. But... Yeah. <clears throat> There's nothing brave or noble about 
murdering people, you know, at a concert. There's, there is no redeeming value to that. There's no excuse for it in any context. Uh, so, uh, <clears throat> you know, it's an act of terrorism. We, my personal opinion, we need to not be the ones uh, trying to tie the hands of the Israelis. They need freedom of action to do what is necessary uh, to bring about what the whole world can plainly see is the uh, is the necessary outcome. Phil, we're going to I think this would be a good time to stop and let people digest what has been said and uh, we'll take our take a break. We'll be back on remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm right after a couple of messages. Are you a veteran of Desert Shield or Desert Storm? We do a show for you every Monday at 1 p.m. on veteran-owned americaswebradio.com. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, join me, Roger B., every Tuesday at 1400 hours right here on America's Web Radio for the Locked and Loaded Show. We will talk about guns, weapons, ammo, gun accessories, prepping, and so much more. So be sure to join us every Tuesday at 1400 or 2 p.m. for Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back on Remembering Desert Storm and Desert Chill. And, you know, this is just what we've been talking about is exactly the reason that we run a show like this. Remembering. Remembering a war. Remembering the feelings of war. Remembering the effects of war on your family, on your loved ones, on your abilities, your freedoms that have been, that will, can be taken away during a war. And this is why we have to remember and remember that it's, it's bad. There's, there's, there has never been a good war. There have been good people and bad people, but never a good war. And that will be true throughout the rest of history, the rest of all of our lives, and into the, into the next. There's no you know, David, good war. To your point, uh, there are people who refer to uh, the Second World War as the good war. Um, <clears throat> and to those who would say such a thing, I would ask, uh, 
have you ever spoken to a veteran of, you know, some significant conflict during that war who was willing to really talk about it and unburden himself? No. The, typically, they have no desire to talk about it, and they would rather have uh, not had the experience. Uh, they, they may be proud in the end of, of what they did, but, you know, the, the memories of the horrors they've seen and the, uh, you know, the comrades that were lost, uh, the suffering that they watched, um, it, it, there's nothing good about it. Warfare is, well, my hero, uh, William T. Sherman said, <clears throat> war is all hell and you cannot refine it. And um, in his closing remarks of his memoirs, he wrote, um, any attempt to make warfare safe or easy will end in humiliation and disaster. Hmm. When you take those words apart, very deep thoughts. Very deep. And it reminds me, too, that, you know, it's, it's like, it's like a fight. You can't have a fight with one person. There's two people involved. And this is where when you come into a war situation, you may think you're the good guy and the other guy's the bad guy or vice versa, but it takes two. And if you get one side to agree to something, that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work if the other side doesn't agree to it. And it's... It's a big compromise that many times never comes to pass. And that's why you go in. You're not taught to go into war to compromise or to sort of win. Ain't such an animal. Either you win or you lose. And you bring the other side to the quote-unquote bargaining table if they have any chips left to bargain with. But war has one objective for both sides, and that's to win. And right. <clears throat> that, that's true, David. Uh, you know, we need to recognize that uh, there are uh, you know, anything short of victory is a complete waste, right? I mean, my another one of my heroes, Ronnie Reagan, our uh, president during uh, the years leading up to, but not during Desert Storm. Uh, someone asked him at one point in a press conference, I believe, what is your strategy for winning the Cold War? And he simply answered, we win, you lose. That's my strategy. In other words, 
total victory is my strategy. We had a <clears throat> we had a very successful uh, uh, policy of containment that was uh, uh, essentially drafted during the uh, during the Truman administration. That you know uh, eventually uh, this communism would implode and settle itself out. And uh, it was a long process, and we, uh, you know, did have to go through a lot of uh, difficult times leading up to it. But in the end, and I like to think largely because of Desert Storm, uh, the the uh, Soviet Empire did implode. Um, and, you know, there was a time uh, right in, in the years after Desert Storm, where people were giddy with the uh, prospect of, uh, you know, world peace, and uh, anyway, that that uh, if you look around, you'll see it, it didn't happen. Um, so we, uh, <clears throat> you know, we, but uh, but total victory is the goal. It has to be the goal. Otherwise, you're not playing right. You, you know, just like the Israelis, look at them. They are fighting for their lives against those who have sworn their utter destruction. So, um, it leaves them no choice. And like I said earlier, you... You can't have a fight, a battle, a war, unless you have two sides. And, um, you know, I, I'm old enough to remember the Paris peace talks and quote unquote our settlement of the Vietnam War. We did not come away with a victory out of Vietnam. In fact, I would, in my estimation, we came out failing and miserably so. And, you know, two sides. I want what's best for me and you want what's best for you. And... That's why you go to war, because you can't have both. And if... Yeah. Well, during the Vietnam conflict, the, uh, <clears throat> the United States military secured every military objective they were assigned. You can't, you can't hang the failure, um, on, on our military. They did not fail. No, our politicians failed. Um, so, <clears throat> yeah, we um, we uh, you know, so it, we have to remember it. Uh, we're not a military dictatorship. Our military 
is a servant of our civilian government. And really they can, they should only be used when diplomacy fails. And there is a clear and present danger to the United States. Well, we may get to try that out again. Well, you know, there were people during Desert Storm that said, you know, they were trying to thwart our efforts and their, their, uh, saying was, uh, no blood for oil. But, um, at some point, you need to understand that if Saddam had been able to get a chokehold on oil, all the petroleum that came out of the Arabian Gulf area that would put us at a strategic disadvantage. And, of course, we might not have cared so much if we had energy independence. But it seems to me, of recently, we did have that. But um, for some reason, in favor of electric smart cars, uh, we decided not to have uh, energy independence. You know, I grew up in the oil industry and under Trump, the first time I can ever remember having independence, petroleum independence, we always relied on somebody else. Even though we had the greatest reserves in the world, we still were allotted only so many days out of the month that we could pump. Uh, and as seismics would tell us, we had more and more oil that was available. We were buying, uh, you know, we were buying from Saudi Arabia and every place else. And one of the biggest mistakes that, in my opinion, that Eisenhower ever made was when Saudi Arabia nationalized all of our wells in Saudi Arabia and we did nothing about it. And the only thing we did was we pumped more in the U.S. But um, And that's where OPEC came from and uh, the ability for the Middle East to be the tail wagging the dog in many cases. And it did for years and years setting prices and telling our oil industry what we could do with it. And, you know, David, here in Georgia, we're somewhat insulated from the real uh, cost that's gone up in petroleum because uh, our governor has suspended the uh, the tax on gasoline that we've been paying it, it had a <clears throat> it had it um, suspended before and that suspension was eventually vacated uh, over an expiration and then um, it, you know not too long ago just uh, imposed or uh, directed another uh, 
suspension of that tax. So we're fortunate here in Georgia, but, uh, you know, the, the price has, has gone up more than uh, the folks in Georgia are feeling. Absolutely. Much more. And I hope that does not accrue somehow to the uh, political benefit of uh, the current administration. No question. Well, Philip, we're about to come to the end of the road for this show. And uh, as always, it's been a pleasure talking with you and I wish we had a more pleasant subject to talk about than the uh, possibility of an escalated war. And uh, only time will tell how far our politicians take this and how far the public lets them take it. You know, we still... The public is bigger than any population... And this is something that people should keep in mind as we're threatened and or look at the possibilities of something happening in the United States like happened in Israel. And we want to keep the Israelis in mind and get rid of people like AOC and Omar and those idiots that have no clue of what's going on. And if they do, then they've got their head in the wrong place. So we've got, we'll be back next week reminding everybody about Desert Shield and Desert Storm and how important it is to remember our veterans. And uh, be sure and tune in and listen to a veteran's place. There is help. For those that have PTSD and can't sleep at night, and it's 98% effective. So if you know somebody that's having problems, tell them to listen to America's Web Radio. We haven't got to fix it for everything, but we're trying, and uh, that's all we can do. That's all a monkey can do, right, Phil? So with that being said, we're going to get out of here. Phil, thank you. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.